0: Welcome to the King's Cost, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Turn in your Bibles, would you, this afternoon to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, we're going to come around the Word of God. I'm reading from the NIV version. You know, this morning we had a great time, the presence of the Lord here, and um, I said this morning, I've been, in, I've been spending a lot of time in prayer recently, and I've, I've never, I must admit, these last few weeks, I've never experienced the presence of God so much uh, than I have the last few weeks, and God just beginning, just, actually, I, I just want to say this to you, the more I've spent time in his presence, the more I've got addicted to it, and I want to just say that to you. Some people, it's like you go to the gym. First one, if you get a visitor's pass and you go to the gym, it's a bit tough. You don't still feel, don't, don't feel like going back. But when you keep pressing in, there's something happens and there's a breakthrough happens. And I just sense that to say to someone today that you may be at a time where your prayer life is quite poor. And you're saying, you know what, I can't seem to break through. Just keep pressing on. Because I want to encourage you, the intimacy when you spend time with Jesus, something breaks, something happens. And um, the Lord is just beginning to just reveal to me his presence in a fresh new way. And uh, I just really sense the Lord saying, look, there's going to be a season of time come where you're not going to question whether I'm in a service. You'll know it's always there. And because the glory of God will fill this house. And that's where I don't know about you, but that's where I want. I want the presence of Jesus to just invade our meetings. Amen. Come on, we're not here, we're not here to just play church and services. We're here to to come in and for the presence of Jesus to be here. So when you invite your friends, they know something's different. This morning, I, I was I was stood here at the end. I'd just finished preaching, and um, I was stood here and Emmanuel and. Um, He walked to, I think it was Kerry as well, they'd walked to, but Emmanuel wandered down here with a couple that had been in our AM service. And so he brings them down, he says, I'm just bringing them to you, I've brought them up the stairs to reintroduce you to them, because uh, this lady's from up north, she's a northern lady, and she recognised your northern accent, so I said, well, you need to meet him, because he's from up north, he's one of them as well. And so she came down and she said, where are you from? And so I said to her, I stood here and I said, I'm from a little place called Wathapondurn. Well, everyone, if they ever hear that name, they think, where on earth is that? And there's a reason for that because it's, it's a tiny place and no one's, I've never met anyone who comes from Wathapondurn. I said, I'm from Wathapondurn. And she looked at me and she said, I can't believe it. That's where I'm from. No, Two of us. Goodness <laughs> me. Steve's, Steve's getting worried. She said, I'm from there as well. Well, uh, her, her fiancé was like, wow, this is amazing. I said, well, tell me about yourself. So we began to come, uh, talk, and I knew people she knew from when I was young, and we began to talk. And she said, I said, well, what, what are you doing here? She says, well, I live near here. She said, but I've never been to church before, only to weddings and funerals. This is the first time I've ever been in anything. I said, what do you think? She says, it's amazing. She says, I've never seen anything like this. So she started to talk to me and then we began to confer. And then I said to her, I said, I really believe you've got a problem. There's pain in your body. And, began to, and I said, can I pray for you? And so ministered to this woman. God touches her powerfully. Heals her body of a, of a condition in her back and into her side and her hip. So much so that she's just like, wow, this is amazing. Then I said, I believe you've got this problem as well. The Lord started to reveal words of knowledge. just said, you've got this issue as well. So I started giving words of knowledge over specific things. The, the fiance is looking, going, Wow, this is just amazing. I've only I came last week. This is the first time I brought her. God just began to speak to us. So I pray for this next thing. Then words of knowledge started to flow, and I began to speak to her again and, and reveal other things about her past. And she's like, This is just, this is just amazing. Then she said to me, she said, one of the conditions she'd had when she was younger had left her with a thing called bell's palsy. So on one side of her face, she has this problem where it's drooped a little bit like a stroke. So I said, well, can we pray for that as well? I said, if God can do what he's just done, he can do anything. Come on, let's pray. Yes. So I, put, I said, can I put my hands on your head? She'd never been in church before. I said, can I? She goes, do whatever you like. <laughs> put my hands on her head. I said, the presence of God is going to come upon you. You're going to feel God. And then I want you to test it afterwards. So she does. I said, can you test this, be- this bell's pause it. tell me what's going on? And she says, well, I, one thing is that if I bend forward in the shower, if I'm washing my hair or, and I bend backwards, she says, in the side where it is, I get a locked jaw. And she says, so I'll, I'll do that. So she does that. And she can't make the jaw lock anymore. Praise God. Come on. You can do better than that. Praise God. Listen. She looked at me and she's like, wow, this is amazing. I said, it is. I says it's Jesus Christ. I said, that's what it is. It's not church. I said, and he has a plan for your life. I said, I really feel to say this to you now. And it just goes on from what Joe's just been saying. I said, do you know what? Jesus Christ can heal your body. He can touch your body. But the whole reason he heals bodies is because he wants to show you as the power to heal your soul. And to bring you into relationship with him. Amen. I said he can do all that, but that's, that, he's just showing off. He wants to show you what he really wants to do. And that is to restore you back to the father. Amen. She's like, what? And you won't hear this in a wedding and a funeral. You need to listen because Jesus loves you. And he wants you to give your life to him today. We've got to do more of this. We've got to get people saved, people. Come on. It's not about just getting people healed. We need them saved from the coming judgment. I'm not even preaching my message yet. We've got to get people saved. Why? Because there is a day coming. Some churches don't preach it. But there's a day coming, everyone will face judgment. And it's our responsibility not just to preach a gospel that is wishy-washy, but to preach a gospel that is of repentance. To turn from your sin. Turn to God. I said to her, look, you you can have this life. Listen, the Bible says that if you receive Jesus Christ, He'll credit you His righteousness. So you don't have to rely on your life's account. You rely on his account. And secondly, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will come and live inside of you. How do you like that? I said, the problem is, I said, if I leave you to go from here and you've just had a touch from Jesus, you've, you've had a touch, you've experienced the presence of God, but you haven't invited him into your life. She's like, I said, do you want to do that now? This is not even in the service. This is when everyone's having coffee. Do you want to do that now? I mean, I'm thinking about my sandwich downstairs as well. But I said, do you want to She said, I'll do whatever you want. It's amazing. When you're a northerner, it's, it, it, someone told me once I should do sales. But sales is evangelism. Just the, It's a great product, isn't it? With eternal value. But I said to her, I said, of course we can. I said, the, the, the reality is you've got to do it from your heart. I'm not telling you to do it. You need to choose because you want to do it. Because I want to do it. So I lead her to Jesus. I led her to Jesus just a, a minute ago. She said the prayer of salvation. She invites Jesus in. I said, what you need to do now is go home. Your spirit is alive. You've got a new birth date. That's today. Your spirit has come alive. Go home with your fiancé now. Get him to help you in the Bible and to teach you. And it says that Ecclesiastes forces, a cord of three can't easily be broken. So you need to get together. And you need to ask God to help you. And help you in this relationship. And you're going to be on fire for Jesus. She says, well, I play guitar. I said, wow, come on. God's got a plan for you. Listen, Jesus is interested in dealing with people's problems and bodies. But he wants to restore you. If you're here today and you're thinking, well, it's not for me. Listen, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The world is you. The world is you. It's everyone. So if you think today, well, that's not for the, it's only for the religious types. Listen, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. He died on the cross for you to be reconciled back to the father. The title of my message today is this radical restoration, radical restoration, radical restoration. Because I believe Jesus is in the business of restoring lives. You might not think that you need restoring. Can I just say, the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. Some say, oh, but I'm a good person. (laughs) You might be a good person. You might have done all of these things. 20 things you can list to me what you've done. But every one of those things is still not enough. Jesus died because he knew we needed him to restore us back to relationship. I'm going to start to preach from this, uh, this scripture. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 19. Here we see a story of someone who's got a son, brings a son, who is, he, he, he needs restoring. And we're going to read it now. It says this, when they came. And when it says, when they came, this is talking about Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They've just been up the Mount of Transfiguration. If you don't know what that means is, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain. And these disciples see Jesus... Turn into this glorified state from a the normal human being that he saw they saw every day walking around with them. They see this eternal glorified state. The Bible records it and says he, he shone like the sun. Wow, have you ever looked at the sun for a long time? How bright it is? You can't, it will damage your retina. It says it shone like the sun, and so. They've just come from this experience. They're walking back down the mountain. Jesus says to them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen. And so they come back down. And here's where we pick up in verse 14 where they come to another group of disciples at the bottom of the mountain and they're dealing with this major problem. Verse 14 When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law. Arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. This is what Jesus says What are you arguing with them about? He said. A man in the crowd answered Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit, did you see this? It's not, it's when the spirit inside the boy, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, I love this, Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, because everyone likes the drama, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Amen. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind come out only by prayer. Some of the manuscripts say only prayer and fasting. In other words, Jesus was saying that you need intimacy. Because listen, when you pray and fast, you get close to God, amen. You draw close to God. It doesn't make your prayers any bigger. It just makes you close to God. The closer to God you are, the devil don't like the smell of that. I've noticed that. The closer I get to God, if I pray and fast, it's like what I'm doing is I'm denying my flesh what my flesh wants. I'm getting closer to him and there's something in the heavenly starts to shake. You see, the devil doesn't like to be around that. He likes you to rely on the things you like in the flesh. And I want to encourage you fast as well. Learn to fast and pray. It's not a chore. It's not something you're going to do to tick off a box. When you learn to fast and pray, you're going to draw close to God and the presence of God is going to to be upon you even more. You go into the darkest of situations, the devil will flee. Why? Because you run to God. Amen? This story is, is amazing because... I love the fact that you've got two dynamics to this scene. That is, that just before they get down this mountain, this high mountain where the transfigurations happen, they come down to the valley. You've got this contrast of what's happened at the top of the mountain. If you read that story, Mark chapter 9 and Matthew 17 as well, about the transfiguration, you'll see that they have just had, Peter, James and John have just been with Jesus. They've seen this amazing scene. They've seen Jesus in his glorified state and they're so overwhelmed by it, they want to make shelters for Elijah and Moses and Jesus. They want to stay there in this place. And Jesus says, no, we've got to go back down. But when we go down, I don't want you to tell anyone what you've seen. Keep it a secret. Stum, don't say a word. Keep it to yourself. I wondered sometimes why he just chose Peter, James, and John. It must be because they were good at keeping secrets. He knew what they were going to see. Some of us, sometimes we get visions and dreams and we see God speaks to us and sometimes we don't know when to hold it in and when to release it. Part of the prophetic is actually knowing when to release, not just receiving. People get a word, sometimes they get so excited and they feel like they've got to tell everyone straight away. Sometimes you've got to ask God, how do I release what he's giving? In the time that he wants me to do it. So what we've got is in this this mountaintop experience, we have this experience where the transfiguration at the top of the mountain. Remember, Peter, James and John have just seen Jesus in his glorified state. There is glory at the top of the mountain. In the valley, there's suffering. So you've got glory and suffering. Then the next thing is, you've got at the top of the scene at the mountain, you've got God the Father is dominating the scene. He's saying, this is my son. Listen to him. This is all about me. I'm dominating the scene. Then you get to the bottom of the mountain and what's happening there is Satan is dominating the scene. Two different contrasts. The other thing is at the top of the mountain, the father is pleased with the son. Down at the bottom, you've got a troubled dad. He's looking at his son and he's not happy. I brought him here because I've got a problem. The top, this is my son. I'm pleased with him. Listen to him. Top of the mountain, you've got a perfect son. Bottom of the mountain, you've got a perverted son. You see, when Peter, James and John saw that experience, they were told to keep quiet. Listen, can I just say this? Even though you can't say anything, it changes your perspective. So I love that because when they're at the top of the mountain, Jesus says, don't say anything. It doesn't mean it changes their perspective on life. You can have experiences with God, never tell anyone, but it changes your perspective. It'll change the way you act. It'll change the way you walk. No one knows what you saw. No one knows the encounter you had in the church when you were stood here and God touched you. But God is doing something on the inside that will change your perspective. So they come back down and they've got a new perspective. So you, they, they, they walk up and this is the first thing that they see. If, you, if you're watching the Jesus movie or whatever, they walk down the mountain. The first thing that happens, you think that wherever they walked, you know, the radiance of uh, 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 on, on Christ would just make everything perfect. But they walk into an argument. There's an argument. The disciples are arguing with the teachers of the law. They're arguing over the, the, the fact that a dad has brought his son who he's not pleased in He's not happy. There's no glory. In fact, it's terrible. Everyone's arguing. The first line Jesus says, he doesn't say, hey guys, you ought to have been at the top of the mountain where I've just been. There's been a lot of glory. He walks in and he says, what are you arguing about? What's the problem? And then the dad chirps up and says, I brought my son. He's got a problem with the demons since childhood and this is the issue. I have brought him to you. In fact, I came here and you weren't here. That's what he says. He said, I brought him to you. But in other words, I got here and all I've got is a bunch of arguments. People can't get this problem solved. Sometimes the church is like that. If people go to the wrong place where the spirit of God is, where Jesus isn't there. I'll tell you what happens. They bring these problems. The demons are taking control. Because all it's about is debates and religion. No intimacy with Christ. So i tell you, there are a lot of churches today that I get concerned over that probably demons are having a field day. Because we don't deal with the issues. Is this okay to preach like this? We don't deal with the issues. So do you know what? Some places you can look at it and think it looks fine. But if you're not dealing with these issues, listen, you need to be a place where Jesus is. Where Jesus is welcomed. Where you can, when, listen, when Jesus shows up in the Bible, there's a lot of mess. He turns tables. He messes places up. He causes demons to come out of people that they foam at the mouth. In some churches, they would be putting that into the side room. But when Jesus comes, he's interested in not what messes on the carpet. He's interested in who's set free. Amen. Can I say today, the Spirit of God is in this room. And I bind up every power of Satan that is at work in here today. Come on. Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And there is nothing, not one spirit right now that can stand against that. I declare this ground today for Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you know just the other week I shared a story about my cousin who my cousin was... Uh, was bound by a demon. He didn't even realize it. I was talking to him on the phone. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but you listen back on one of the messages. I think it's Firewalker's message. I spoke. And this story I preached is my cousin rings me up. He's in a terrible state. I end up praying over the phone with him. I've never done this before. And I'm thinking, I can't be with him. So I, I said, Put the phone on your chest and I'm going to command a demon to leave you now. He does. He convulses. He describes what you've just read. Jesus sets him free from this demonic power. Wow. Now I was talking to him the other day. And now he's gone to his friend who's suffering with depression and anxiety. Being involved in spiritualist churches. And said, you need to listen to the firewalker's message. Because this is me and I was set free from a demon. You've got to speak to this man. Now I'm in touch with another lady who I've got no idea who she is, but she wants to know about Jesus. I don't know her. I sent her a message and said, what's the problem? She says, I'm suffering with terrible depression. I said, well, listen to that message. Give me a ring back. I'll speak to you and I'll pray for you just the same. That's what happens when you start bringing the kingdom of God. I didn't ask her to come to me. He went to her and told his testimony. Jesus brings restoration. Amen. Peter, James, and John, when they come down from this high mountain to this low valley, what I describe is they have high faith. And some of you today, you have had mountaintop experiences. You've had great times in your churches. Presence to God. You've gone to the best conferences. You ask someone when they've just come back from a conference, they always feel charged up. Every time, Rita's just come back from Cherish. She's, she's 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 on fire. I hope she is. You, I've been every time I go to a conference. I, tell, I come back, I'm charged up. I've been to the top of the mountain. I've been there. Mark chapter nine. I've been to Matthew 17. I'm at the top. I'm at the top. It don't take long, does it? Sometimes till you're in the valley again. Come on, let's be realistic. We don't live at the mountaintop. Come on. If you live there all the time, Satan's going to have you. You live at the mountaintop so you can walk through the valleys. And so they came down and they've got this high faith experience. You can imagine them seeing the the disciples arguing. And I I don't know about you, but if I was them, I'd be a bit proud. I'd be like, wow, you know, they've not seen what we've seen. Why are they arguing? I mean, if they only knew who Jesus was, really was, and they were intimate with him. They ain't got it like we have. And so you've got this difference of the other disciples. I feel a little bit sorry for them because they didn't get to go to the top. They didn't get to see that. They haven't been to the conference on the Mount of Transfiguration. What a name for a conference. Voice in the City, 2018. The Mount of Transfiguration. (laughs) So they they come to these other guys. They've, They've not seen that. So they've got low faith. In fact, they're in the midst of an argument, talking, debating religion. Two different types of faith levels. And there's a problem because some little kid needs restoring. And he's in the midst of all this. Maybe you today, like the dad, you've come to a situation when you're in the valley. You've brought your problem. You haven't got a demon-possessed son, but you've got a hopeless situation. Where what you bring and you're trying to find Jesus, you bring your hopeless situation. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you've got an issue with your son or daughter. It may not be they're demon-possessed, but they're not doing very well at school. Maybe they're getting bullied. Maybe there's an issue that you've brought them right to this point, and you're saying, Jesus, where are you? I want to tell you Jesus is here. You've come to the right place. He's here. You've arrived at a place and the problem sometimes is you get there and Jesus wasn't there straight away. You get there and you meet some of his followers. The disciples were there. You meet some of the religious ones who know God. Sometimes you get to places, you bring your problem and even the people of God can't help you. You get to places and you, you, you think, if they can't help me, how's God going to help me? They're supposed to know God. All they're doing is arguing. There's problems. Debates. They don't agree. Sometimes you get to a place where even the people of God can't help you in your situation. Don't give up. Why? Because Jesus is the one you've got to look to. If the people are arguing, look to him. Look to Jesus. Because eventually he does show up. He does show up. And it says this, verse 15, as soon as all the people... Not just a few. All the people saw Jesus. They were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. They recognized something. They recognized something upon him. They knew who he was. Jesus is walking into your valley today. He wants to overwhelm what overwhelms you. To take hold of it. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Psalm 23 says, the valley of the shadow of death. Let me remind you, it is only a shadow. It's not the end. It's only a shadow of death. Shadows are not the death. They're a shadow of what it might be. You see, the enemy is so good at taunting people. But listen, if you are a people who know your God, who are intimate with him, and you get to know Jesus when you're in the valley... You're going to know how to deal with things. He'll give you the ability and the wisdom of how to deal with these issues. The responses that they ran to him. When you feel like your situation's outrun you, run to Jesus. I said it this morning, I said, years ago when I was younger and I got to sports day, in fact I'm I'm at my children's sports day this week. And I used to do the sports days, I was never really good at the fast runs, but I, I could do the sack race or the egg and spoon race, you know. I'm good at them. Concentration. But I was no good at when I had to run fast, everyone went flying past me. Some of you today, it feels like your hopeless situation has overrun you. You are not fast enough so you feel like giving up. Listen, when you see your problem outrun your strength, turn to Jesus. Run to Him. Just because you see it outrun you doesn't mean it has outrun you. Hallelujah. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me all you are weary and Burdened. I want to read this to you, the Message version, because I think it really helps us. It says this: Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirteen. The Message: Are you tired? Jesus says, worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy. Or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. I love that. Maybe you've not been at the top of the mountain. Maybe you're in the valley. Maybe You're you're probably in one of those camps for today. But let me tell you, whether you've got high faith or low faith, look to Jesus today. He's the restorer. He's the one who will help your problem. You might have a demon-possessed son, but you've got a hopeless situation. I'm here to tell you this afternoon, no matter how hopeless your situation seems, Jesus will not let you down. There is hope. The Bible says he's an anchor for our soul. There is hope today. That's a message for someone here. There's a word. There is hope. No matter how dark your situation is, there is hope. He will not let you down. He never lets his kids down. You look to him, he will not let you down. Some of us think that it's the end of the road. Nothing can happen now. Just the other day, I I love coffee. I'm a, a real coffee fan. I love, I've got an espresso machine at home and, my own machine, I buy the coffee, and I'm, I'm, I'm so into good quality coffee. I mean, years ago, it was just Nescafe. Sorry for all you Nescafe drinkers, but things have changed, haven't they, a little bit? At one time, you wouldn't pay three pound for a coffee. You'd, you'd be mad if you paid a pound for a coffee years ago. You're going to cost an hour, three pound fifty, and then everyone gets converted to rich quality coffee. So I have to have a machine in my house, and I've got a little espresso machine. And one of my things I did, I bought a lovely little espresso cup. Because I like to have a nice cup to drink from. It doesn't make the coffee any better. It just makes me feel better. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make it change at all. And I got myself a nice little cup. And I went up into the cupboard the other day. And I reached up to get the cup. And as I went to grab it, I knocked the cup. And the cup fell from the cupboard towards the surface where our sink was. And I don't know if you've ever had this situation where you knock something like that. You're wondering. The question is, it's like everything goes in slow motion. And you think, is it going to bounce or smash? It all depends where it lands. And and everything seems to slow down. And and I looked at my little espresso cup falling. It's not not an expensive thing. It just means a lot. And I watched it fall. It was like everything went into slow motion. And I just waited for that that, that point of contact. Do Do you want to know what happened? I'll show you what happened. Here it is. Here's my cup. In pieces. I know you'd be sad. I put it in this box because I wanted to show you something today. But that is this. The first thing I did is I tried bringing all the pieces so it was safe for everyone. But I realized that the pieces that it broke into, there were so many little pieces underneath the toaster. I'm trying to grab all these little tiny bits. And I realized that I can't get every bit to piece it all back together. And I chucked it into this box. and, And then I realized something. That sometimes Jesus... In our lives, we, we have problems and, and things have broken. Things are, we've lost hope and we just like that dad looks at that little boy and he says, My boy, he's, he can't even speak. He's robbed him of his speech. He's not the same. It's not the same. I just want a normal son like everyone else. I've lost hope. You've got a problem today. It's not the same things are broken. And I just... You know the easiest thing to do. The first thing I, I thought is as I grabbed the piece. I put it back into this box. Is that the thing I can do is this. I can go to Amazon.com. And just buy a new one. Buy a new one. You buy it on Prime. You'll get it delivered before you've even pressed purchase. It arrives on your... The guy knocks at the door before you even press pay. And so... I I thought I could buy a new one. And that's what some of us do sometimes. We give up on God and we try to do something different. We try to manipulate the circumstance. We try to get involved when he says, I just want to take what's broken. Because I'm in the business of divine exchange. I'm in the business of taking your rubbish and dealing with it. And if you don't think you've got all the bits, if you don't think you've got all the pieces... I don't mind because I'm in the business of restoration. If you don't think you've got all the bits together, I'm in the business of restoring it. Don't just give up and get something else. Imagine if that dad said, Oh, do you know what? I'm tired of my son from childhood. He can't even speak. I can't even have in a conversation with him. Someone take care of him. I'm going to go and get some other boy. Do you know why he did it? Because he loved him. And he had that last bit of hope. If I just find this Jesus who everyone's talking about, who's healing people, maybe my life might change. Maybe my son's life might change. I'm going to bring this this thing because I ain't got all the bits together. He's broken. But if I just bring him, then maybe Jesus might do something. I'm going to be quick going through my points, I promise. But first thing is this, is restoration begins when you bring your situation to God. You bring it to God. Can I just say that? Some people, they have a problem. They have this issue of something's not working in my life. But you don't bring it to God. In fact, you can even bring it to people in prayer. Go and see your friends and say, pray about this. But actually, you're not letting go of it to God. So you end up being in debates and never getting anywhere. And the problem is, Jesus Jesus is saying, I want you to come and bring it to me. The the first thing he says, the, the dad says, I've brought my son to you. When Jesus asks him about the problem, it says this, that he says, bring the boy to me in verse 19. If you want to see change, then you've got to bring it. You've got to hand it to Jesus. How do I do that? I pray about it. I go in my private space and I pray and I give it to Jesus. I bring that problem to Jesus. I hand it to Jesus. I let go of my box and I don't just go and buy another one. I wait and see in patience for what God is going to do. Brilliant. Amen. Thank you, Steve. He'll buy me an espresso cup, come on. My dad, when I was younger, he used to get, every time something broke, he wouldn't buy a new one. Amazon didn't even exist then, anyway. My my dad would get the Araldite glue. If anyone knows Araldite glue, he'd say, son, watch this. I'm going to stick it together. It looked worse. I never told him that, but it looked worse than what it was before, but he used to fix everything for my mum with glue everywhere. I was told this morning by Gary that Araldite apparently was made in Cambridge. And his dad used to work for Araldite. So there you go. There must be a spiritual connection there. And so my dad used to stick things together. My dad used to always turn to me and say this. I'd I'd be watching him just sat, a young little boy, just watching my dad fix these things. And he said, Son, when we fix this, it will be stronger than it was before. I thought, Are you sure about that? It looks terrible. It'll be stronger than it was before. Why? Because we're using this bond, this glue. And let me tell you, what's broken now, if you give it to Jesus, let me tell you, it'll be even better when it's finished with. Even Job learned that, that even the suffering he had, God did something with his life. It says in all of his anger, he never sinned. And he gets to the end and God restores his life. Wow. Listen to me. If God is using Araldite on your life and it looks a little bit messy to start with, trust Him, because it's going to be even stronger. It's going to be even better than it was before. If you want restoration, you've got to bring it to Jesus. Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. You see, what you don't release will keep you restrained. If you don't release the problem, it will keep you restrained. You'll have a son with a problem with no voice. Limitations on his future will hinder your life. So you end up with a restriction. What you don't release to Jesus will restrict you. Release it today. If you want to change your situation, bring your situation to God. Years ago, my son used to have problems when he was younger with what's called febrile convulsions where he'd get these temperature uh, increases and we didn't know what was going on when you first got a young kid and you're learning things and you're thinking, what is going on? I phoned up the number. Everyone's, our friends are saying, just dial the number. They'll tell you what to do. You get a multiple choices. You know, What's, what's his, his temperature like? And you're thinking, well, hang on a second. Can't I just bring him in? Eventually, we got a bit tired. We just gave him Calpol. Good stuff, Calpol. Suppresses everything, but it doesn't deal with the problem. And I realized something. We were giving him cowpole to start with, not realizing he got this problem. These convulsion things that were happening, they said it won't last forever, but eventually it'll go. And sometimes, some of us, we use our Calpol in our lives to suppress the problem and don't bring it to Jesus. The best thing I need to do is take him to the hospital and actually find out what the problem was. Jesus says, I've come for the sick, not the healthy. I've come to help you. Bring them to me. Bring these people to me. Mark chapter 2, we've got the story of the paralyzed man. They bring him through the crowd. They press through the crowd. They get to the rooftop. They're going to open the roof to put this man through. I always used to think that the, the, must, the, the greatest barrier to that blessing must have been the roof. But I don't know about you. If People sometimes can be a lot harder barriers than... A roof. I'll tell you why. Because roofs don't talk back to you. So much easier digging through the roof. All you need is a spade. No interruptions. Get, get digging. But when you have to walk through a crowd to get to the roof. And people are saying, will you stop pushing in? What are you doing? You don't deserve. We've been waiting here hours. We can't even get in. You're pushing past us. The opinions of people stop you from your blessing. So when you're trying to bring your problem to Jesus, you're going to get people saying, I wouldn't trust the devil will use people, voices, opinions to stop you getting your blessing. Listen, roofs don't talk back to you. That's not the biggest barrier. The people sometimes around you are the problem. I mean, I was in London at last end of last year. I went to a conference, took some of the guys. We went to a conference. I walked in. There was no queue. We said, we'll get there at 8 o'clock. No one will be there. I walked in. I thought, absolutely amazing. Not one person will be straight on the front row. I walked in. They said, you're going to have to queue first to get your registration cards. I said, what? We join a queue of registration. Meanwhile, the queue's filling up. I said, we're not going to get a good seat now, boys. And so we stood looking at this huge queue. And then one pastor lady, I'm not going to mention who it is. She's from Cambridge. Some of you may know her, a good friend of mine. She, she's at the front of the queue. By, by God's grace, he of the sea for her to get there. And so she shouts, says, Pastor Phil! And with all the team, seeing this massive queue behind her, she says, come and join me. Have you ever had that time when you have to push into a queue? You know, I was praying about it. I said, God, is this right to do this? I didn't take long praying, you know. It's only a short prayer. And I felt the Lord just say, you know, you deserve it, son. <laughs> Come on, Jerry's saying amen. The Lord says we, we have to be blessed sometimes, you know. We've got to, my, people said to me, you need to, you need to learn to receive a blessing. I said, well, I'm learning today. This is my, this is, I'm learning so I walked over and I, and I said, how are you doing? And I don't know if you've ever been in these situations when you do this. If you ever go under the rope and you stand there and someone's invited you into queue that you shouldn't really be at that point. The thing that you do is talk to everyone that you shouldn't be talked to because you don't want to look behind you. It's like this oppression comes upon you behind. You don't look back. You act as though you should be there when you know you shouldn't. It's awful. All I want to do is get inside. I got a really good seat as well. Praise God. I learned how to receive a blessing that day. But listen, sometimes the voices around you are stopping you from bringing your thing to Jesus. It becomes an oppressive thing and you, I want to just say to you, there are voices in your life at the moment that are trying to stop you from bringing your problems to Jesus. Opinions are often the greatest barrier. But we're supposed to bring, bring our things to God and and bring them to him and let him deal with them. When I had this problem of this cup, I've still not ordered one yet. Just waiting to see if the Lord's going to bless me. But I've still not ordered one. But I've got this. And I look at this and I think, who in their right mind? Who? You know, if you ever get a parcel through the post from Amazon, we get loads of boxes into our house for the kids and for different presents and things. And I always look in the name and if it's not my name, I get a bit discouraged. And if I ever see one that says special delivery, it's got my name, I think, wow, it must be something good. But who wants a box like this? I mean, it looks good, but if you got it and shook it, you think, I don't want that. I don't want that. It's useless. It's got no life in it. Catch this, Steve. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. He doesn't say, and, and Steve's not God. It's just an illustration. You know, I I'm not supposed to take it back, but I want to just say something. When I threw it to Steve, it's casting. Some of us are sometimes like this with God. We're saying, here, take it. And I'm not sure if you can deal with this. So we're, we've got half of our hand is still holding on. But listen, he says, cast your anxieties upon me. Throw it upon me because I care for you. That means throw all the bits on, my, on, on everything that I want to do for you because I will help you in this. Cast your anxieties upon Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Jesus carried the cross. You see, when he took the cross to Calvary, he, he presents to us this principle of that he had to carry the weight of sin. He brought sin. He brought that weight of sin up to Calvary. He brings it up there because his father had wanted him to bring him to that point where he would be crucified. And you see, there's a point in Jesus' life when he's flogged and he's beaten and there's, his back is ripped apart and the crown of thorns are upon his head. And all of this that's happening to him, the devil would have been saying to him, just give up now. That's enough. That's enough to bring restoration. But as we just heard this, morning, this afternoon from Danga, is that his body had to be broken for us. He needed to go to the cross. He needed to bring it to Calvary. He needed to carry the weight of our sin all the way to Calvary. To bring restoration. And what does it do? Just like that dad had a demon possessed son. When he died on the cross. And he went all the way for you. What happens? He restores sons and daughters. He reconciles sons and daughters. From slaves to sons. Slaves to daughters. That's why he did it. We learn a principle there that Jesus, if he carried the cross for you, he wants you to bring your things to him. Number two, restoration is unquestionable with the God of the impossible. I love this. It says this. He says to Jesus, if you can do anything, verse 22, take pity on us and help us. Jesus replies and says, if you can. It's almost like, You're actually saying to me, if. You're saying to me, if you can. Don't you realize who you're speaking to? You're saying, if. There's no ifs in Jesus. There are no ifs when you follow Jesus. There's nothing he cannot do. He says, if you can. Everything is possible for one who believes. You see, he brought his son. He brought him and handed him, but he questioned the victory. He brought him, but questioned the, the fulfillment of restoration. The dad said, If you can, if you can. I put here that when you question the hope of restoration, you restrict God's hand of intervention in your life. Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And I love this. Verse 24, he says, immediately the boy's father said, I do believe. I do believe, Jesus. I do. But help me overcome my unbelief. What a contradiction. In other words, I think I believe, but I'm not sure if I believe. Have, have you ever been there? I have. <laughs> come on. Oh, it looks like one person has. Oh, come on. There we go. Thank you, Lewis. You think you believe, but then you think when I say it and I'm actually praying, I'm not sure if I really do. Can I say that the problem these days is that sometimes our faith is in our head and not our hearts. Sometimes the problem is we've got loads of faith up here and it's what you call call intellectual faith. It's actually no faith at all. I was saying to someone earlier today, do you realize that faith, if if you want to have faith for something... You can't see it. If you see something, it doesn't, there's no faith at all. How can you have faith if you can't see something? Some people say, I've got faith because I've seen. I, I, the, the lady who came forward today, and one of the problems she had apart from the other issues is, the leg, uh, one leg was a dramatically short than the other one. I mean, it's a, a lot of difference. I pray for a leg to grow, but the, the reality is this, and I'm not boasting, I don't, have much faith, I don't need much faith to believe a leg will grow. Why? Because I've seen it enough times. So I've seen it, and I believe God does it. The thing I need to believe God for is with other things. When I I went went recently and prayed for someone and shared a word of knowledge for a a deaf ear and a girl walked forward. And I've said it before, she comes forward with an earring aid in. And I'm thinking, I've never seen this before. So the problem is for me, is my confidence is in something I'm hoping for in Hebrews 1 verse 1. But my assurance is in things that are not yet seen. So when I said, be healed, I thought, I trust God is going to fulfill. I'm confident in what I'm hoping for, but I'm assured that he's going to do it, even though I don't see it. And some of us sometimes we're waiting for things to happen first. We're waiting for what, what we can see with our eyes. And sometimes our faith is very big in our heads, but not in our hearts. And listen, that's not, that's not good enough. We need the faith in our hearts. And the Bible says all you need is faith the side of a mustard seed. Wow. God wants to change your head faith to your heart. He wants to change it from your head to your heart. I've put here that a mustard size... Seed of faith in your heart is more powerful than a mountain of faith in your head. If you've got a mustard seed in your heart, it's enough. Why do I say that? Because Jesus spoke a lot and the Bible talks a lot about your faith. It comes, it comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. It comes by hearing the word of God. Listen, when the word of God is preached today, I hope you realize something. There's something about this. It's not my words. It's the Spirit of God. Now you can close yourself off. You can say, I'm just going to let it hit here and not here. It needs to get from here to here. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus comes out of the desert, he's just been tested by by Satan. And then he ends up in the synagogue, and that's that amazing time when he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and all of the people, he says, they were fixed on Jesus. As he opens up the scroll and reads, and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And and, and something amazing happened in that room. I mean, this was the Word of God manifest. This is Jesus Christ. The word of God speaking into that synagogue. And all these people were fixed on him. And he says, this, it, it comes to life today. What I'm speaking now. And faith began to rise up. Because the word of God began on people's hearts and it fixed them on him. Their eyes were fixed on him because faith began to rise up. Romans ten seventeen. It comes by hearing the word of God. And Jesus speaking this word to them. But notice this, it only takes the wrong voices in the room to change the dynamic. Someone says, isn't this, uh, isn't that Joseph's boy? Who works for carpenters.com? That's that's Joseph's, that's Joseph's lad. That's Joseph's, that's not, he's, this scripture has not been fulfilled in our hearing. It's Joseph's lad. You know the guy who makes the tables and the chairs. It's him. It ends up being a mass argument in that room. It ends up where it's not the same dynamic. That's what happens. That's what happens when faith starts to come into our hearts. And this is what the devil does. He steals it from your heart. He doesn't steal it from your head. He robs faith from your heart because he knows that's the most productive place. If he, if he can build it up in your head, but it's not real, that's faith that's on a poor foundation. That's what Jesus says. Don't build your house on a, on, a, on, a, on a weak foundation. That's when you build your life on faith that's actually in your head and never got to your heart. In Luke 8, it says this, verse 11, when Jesus talks about the farmer that scatters seed, it says the seed is the word of God. What can I just say today, if you look at it like this, a mustard seed of faith is cast out every time. Every time there's a preach, every time you hear someone speak the word of God, you better get ready and you better open your mouths and receive them mustard seeds of faith that are coming your way because it's going to do something, it's going to get into your heart and when it gets into your heart, it's going to change you. So every time you hear the word of God, don't just say, oh, it's another preach, it's another sermon, I can't wait till 4 o'clock. Say, God, uh, this is an ability to catch some seeds of faith. Some mustard seeds that will produce so much in me. He says the seed is the word of God. Those along the path when he's talking about how people receive that seed are the ones who hear. Then it he says this and the devil comes and takes away the word not from their heads but from their hearts. The devil is so interested in attacking your heart. Head not a problem. Your heart's the problem. If you can get it from there, then you lose hope. Number three, restoration finally is sustained by who you know, not what you see. Who you know, not what you see. Verse 26 says this, that Jesus has just commanded this, this demon out of this boy. I mean, the power and authority in this. And he says this, The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he was dead. Many means at least 51%. Many is a lot. So Jesus says, Bring the boy to me. He doesn't deal with the problem straight away. He says, How long has he been like this? I mean, if I was the dad, I'd be a bit... I'd be like, just deal with the problem. Come on, I've, I've got him to you now. You said, bring him to me. And he says, how long has he been like this? Then he commands this demon to come out. He deals with the problem. He deals with the issue. And the moment he does this, the boy hits the deck and looks like he's dead. He says, many said, he's dead. He's dead. Can I say this? That when you bring your problem to God, When you bring your problem to Jesus, and today there are hopeless situations in this room that Jesus wants you today to bring at the end of this service, and you're going to get an opportunity to do that. But when you bring it to Jesus, whatever it is, illness, finances, problems, marriages, relationships, whatever it is, when you bring it to Jesus, sometimes the immediate reaction is nothing's happened and it looks like it's got worse. I mean, I'd be thinking, I brought my son, at least he could walk before. At least he could look at me before. I know he couldn't speak, but now you've took him to the floor and he's dead. I don't understand this, Jesus. I trusted you. I brought my issue to you and it seems to have got worse. I don't know if you're like that sometimes. You bring something to Jesus and it seems like things are getting worse. Can I say, don't trust in what you see. Have the confidence, Hebrews one, 1 in what you hope for. And the assurance in what you don't see. You see, he's, he looks dead on the floor. And what happens is this. The voices start coming again. Oh, you trusted God with your problem. The Satan comes and whispers and says, look, everything's worse. You trusted Jesus. Why? Your situation looks worse than it did before. He says this. In response to this verse 27, it says, Jesus took him by the hand. Lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, it's not about what you see. It's about who you know. Restoration is a process. So restoration is that when you give your life to Jesus, you know, when the lady gave her life to Jesus this morning and she came here, she's basically on a journey of restoration. I'm not not being funny, but people don't get saved and everything goes perfect. We're a work in progress. Restoration is a progress. So restoration is about you letting Jesus lift you up, not listening to the voices around you saying, it's nothing's happened. I've given my life to Jesus and nothing's happened. But as you trust him and you walk with him, he will begin to restore your life. And it takes a relationship, not a moment. The Bible talks a lot about it uses marriage as an illustration for our relationship with God. Amen? It uses that illustration. Listen, some people treat salvation getting saved like a one night stand. They come, they get saved, they come and say a prayer at the front. You see, that the, the key thing is this. Anyone can come and say a prayer. Anyone can come and say, I give my life to Jesus. Anyone can come and do all that. But listen to me, the most important thing is what you do after it, not what you did at the front. You can treat like a one night stand and say, well, I'm going to wait and see what God does. I'm going to see if that person still calls me. No, you've got to call on him. You've got to be with him. You've got to turn your life around. That's what repentance is. To turn from your sin and turn to God. So, when we do that, we change our lives. It's about a relationship that brings restoration. Don't listen to the voices that are trying to keep your victory down. Because you will not join into a relationship with Jesus. I've had a lot of fun this last week with GDPR emails coming through saying, do you want to subscribe? And you've got the choice of whether you ignore them or you accept them. Listen to me, it's time today to unsubscribe to some of those voices. I'm telling you today, you've got the authority in Christ to unsubscribe to the wrong voices. You've got to say, I ain't having this. I'm not going to have my, my victory keep me down. I'm going to get up and I'm going to follow Jesus. Because there's only one voice I'm following. There's only one voice I'm subscribing to. And this name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. GDPR might seem like a bit of a bad thing at the moment, but it gives the opportunity to clean out the voices. And Jesus is saying today, I'm telling you, here's an opportunity for you today to unsubscribe and and subscribe to the right thing. To the right voice. I'm coming to close. If the worship team could just come back, that would be great. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. It's time to hope again church. It's time to believe. Again. Believe again. Hope's not lost. Whatever that sickness is. Hope's not lost. Whatever that situation is. Hope is not. Lost. Hallelujah. In Mark 11, that story where Jesus walks with the guys and they pass the fig tree and he curses the fig tree to die. The fig tree didn't die that day, it was the next day. Peter said, Hey, Jesus, (laughs) look, I've got loads of faith. You remember that fig tree you cursed yesterday? It's dead. I bet really he was thinking, I didn't believe he was gonna do that. I didn't see a thing happen when he spoke to that tree. It's the first one to say, Hey, look, Jesus, the, the fig tree died. Jesus is probably thinking, You didn't believe that yesterday when I spoke to it and nothing happened. For you today, you've brought stuff to Jesus, you ain't seen it happen yet, but listen to me. Do you know what happened? That, that when Jesus spoke a word to that tree, it hit that tree and it hit the roots. Then the roots die first. Have you ever got any path clear, any weed killer? We've got some at home. And, and I once bought some and I squirted it all over the drive trying to get rid of all the weeds. I first tried, without buying path clear, tried commanding the weeds to die, but nothing happened. That's just to save the money, you know. I couldn't wait till the next day. I wasn't like Peter. I was impatient. So they might have died, i never know. But I went and bought some path clear. But you spray the path clear on, even path clear doesn't get get rid of it straight away. And if you spray it on, they say, don't pull up the root as it's dying. Because it's not got to the root and you'll still get a problem again. So you've got to let it go through and kill the root. Some of you today don't give up just because you believe God. And he says, I'm working through. I'm working through to the root of that problem. When I deal with the root, I'm restoring everything. I'm restoring everything. It's time to hope again. God's installing new faith again today. He's installing new faith again today. Come on, let's just stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings,